Welcome to the Chi Alpha UNC podcast. We're excited that you've decided to stop by. This week is Missions Week. As Christians, we're commanded by Jesus to go into all the world and preach the gospel. For this week, we have guest missionary and pastor Kyle Volkmer from San Antonio to share about God's heart for the nations. At the end of the message, stick around to find out about the trips we're taking and how to apply. This message was recorded on November 11th, 2021 at the McKee Lecture Hall at UNC. Please join us every Thursday at 7 p.m. at the UNC campus. All are welcome. Come as you are. Lead as a new creation. The mission trip reveal after Chi Alpha tonight. All right. So at the end of the night, don't go anywhere. Don't go anywhere. Don't leave the room because we want you to hear about our mission trips this coming spring and summer, okay? So don't go anywhere. It's going to be an incredible night tonight. Is that it? That's it. Okay. And before we get into the rest of the service, we have some honor bombs, all right? So if we can have Gabe and Hannah come up. Yeah, hey, y'all, y'all hype it up. Come on. Woo! Yeah, so I want to honor Nick Steffen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This dude is a servant, let me tell you, all right? He's always willing to hop up on camera, help you out whenever you need him to, and he's so giving, okay? If you need something, he's there for you. If you need a little bit of extra cash, say, here, I got you, dude, no worries. You need help on sound, I got you. You need help with the camera, no worries, I'm there. That's what I love about this dude. He is always there for you, always a servant. Yeah. All right, the person I'm going to honor tonight is Megan. <laughs> um, woo, even though we just became friends this year, I just know that we are going to be forever friends. You are so kind, caring, and honestly one of the funniest people I know. Um, you always light up the room and you have a presence of such joy. I know that I can always count on you and I'm so, so glad that you are in our small group. You are so kind and patient, and you're always willing to put others before yourself. And God is going to continue to do so many great things in your life. You're going to be such an awesome nurse someday. Um, Thank you for always being there for me, and I love you so much. Thanks, guys. Woo, man, I love honoring people. Don't y'all love that? Man, I love doing that. Hey, speaking of honor, I am going to invite up my friend. Some of you have met him already. If you've seen this, this like guy who looks like a John the Baptist in a jacket walking around, you may have seen him and went, who is this guy? What is he doing here? Uh, Kyle Volkmer and I go way back. We go back to 2002, I believe. We were college Buddies, we were, we were college roommates together for a season, and uh, we, we, uh, we fought on the front lines together for many years, and, and uh, we're, we're both from Samuel State Kyle, but that Chi Alpha is what it is because of people like Kyle. 
Now Kyle is a pastor, he's a missionary, um, and, and we are so privileged to have him. So I want you guys to blow up this room and welcome Kyle Volkmer. So there I was. I was, it was the day after I had gotten married, the day that I've been waiting for. I somehow hoodwinked this gorgeous, godly, beautiful bombshell of a blonde to marry me. And, you know, we had, we had kept ourselves pure, and this was our honeymoon. This was the moment. And so it was Carnival Love Cruise. I spared no expense. We are going to the Caribbean on a cruise. And, I, and I'm telling you, I'm looking forward to it. Can I get an amen, man? Amen. I am looking forward to this moment. But you know, ladies, Song of Solomon says, don't awaken love until it so desires. Well, I'm telling you, we were passionately in love. And so this is the moment. And so we go and we go to have lunch. And if you know, if you've ever, who's, who's been on a cruise? So you go on a cruise, and it's really nice. It's like really nice food. You get lobster and steak, and you're like, okay, that's, that's new. And so, you know, as missionaries living by faith, I never had lobster. I didn't even know how to eat it. And so I'm just like, you know, I'm like, do I crunch on it? You know, I have no idea what I'm doing. And so, but what was crazy is we sit at the table, right? And there's like a sign seating. And other people are sitting there with you. And I'm just like, I'm like enamored. I'm in love. Like, it's like I am Twitter-pated. Like, the, the stars are all in the, in the hearts. And they're just the passions. You know, I had some passions. You know, the Bible says it's better to marry than burn with passions. I had, I had lots of passions. And so, but this is our time together. And I'm at the table, and I see this other couple. And they're older. And I'm just like, oh, okay. And I'm like totally oblivious to this couple. But they start small talking. They see how much we're in love. And all the little small talk and the honey bears and the cutie pies and all the little words. And then I notice something. Wait a second. You know, as a preacher, as, as, a, as a minister, I notice this couple starts getting convicted. And all of a sudden, um, this lady just starts pouring out her guts to my wife. Just like, well, well, you know, uh, uh, honestly, uh, like, we're, we're not married. And, and actually, this isn't my husband. I'm actually, uh, I'm actually on this cruise to, to cheat on my husband with this guy. And, and, and then, so she just confesses everything. It's like, you know, this, this, like, adultery situation. And I'm just, like, sitting at the table, and I'm like, oh, no, not now. Anytime but now. Because, like, I'm always ministering. I'm always trying to win souls. And I'm like, Jesus, no. This is my time. This is my moment. Like, uh-uh. I don't got time for this. I got no time for a, a counseling session. I don't want to call anyone to repentance. No time for every head bowed and every eye closed. Nobody got time for that. And so it, what was crazy is 
It's for my wife, you know, you know, obviously I was, you know, thinking of looking forward to the time with her more than she was looking forward to the time with me. But she's like ministering and winning this person to, to righteousness and to the Lord. But then that's when it struck to me. I'll never forget what God said. It was very clear. Oh, the frustration. Oh, the frustration. Frustration. When the messenger is silent. We're going to be looking quickly at the story of Jonah. If you know the story of Jonah, it's a missionary story in the Bible. God chose a messenger to speak to a people, the, the people of Nineveh, the Assyrians, the, the people who were actually the enemies of God. The Jewish people, they didn't like these people. There was a prejudice. There was an, a religious established prejudice. They actually hated their enemies. You have to understand, loving your enemies, that's Jesus. But so Jonah is in this context where God calls Jonah to go and minister to the enemies of God. And what does Jonah do? I'm good. You know, I'm not doing that. He was done. He said no. He ran. Have you ever ran from God? Have you ever ran from a calling of God? You know, so the thing about God is He's patient. The thing about God is He's patient. He'll track you down, He'll keep going, He'll keep talking. He'll keep sending people your way. He'll keep getting, you know, how many of you, you were brought into this, this ministry by that persistent small group leader? Like, dear Lord, they would not leave you alone. Like, get a hint. Like, I'm ghosting you for a reason. Like, I'm not texting you back. But they're like, you know, finding out where you live and knocking on your door. And like, you know, like, oh, I, I found that. I know you work at Subway. I'm going to go get uh, an Italian BLT or a meatball sub. Foot long. We don't have time. We don't have time for no six-inch sub. That's just a waste. You know, you need a bag of chips and a drink. And so, but how many of you were brought in by a persistent small group leader who wouldn't quit? Okay, that was my story. I mean, I'm brought in by just guys who would not stop. But God is persistent. But Jonah ran. Jonah ran. And in fact, he ran to the place in the Bible, Tarshish, which geographically is the farthest place mentioned in the Bible, consequently. So, like, he went to Timbuktu. Now, any, any geography majors? I actually found out that Timbuktu was a real place. I didn't know that. I thought that was just something we said. Like, oh, you know, some far off place. But it's actually a real place. But Jonah ran. He got on a boat and he ran as far as he went, as far away as he could from God. But then what happened? If you know the story, storms came and it began to rock his boat. Now, this is my question tonight. How many storms in our societies are caused by reluctant messengers? We have so many storms which are prevalent. 
In the last five years, we've been capsized with racial tension and, and riots, political upheaval. Our capital has been, has been stormed. This side hates that side. That side hates that side. How many of, of these storms are caused because the messengers are silent? I want you to understand right now that we are in a, in a unique period in church history where preachers don't preach. You know why they call them preachers? Because they preach. They can't help but preach. You know why you call a plumber a plumber? Because he plums. Why do you call a painter a painter? He, yeah, you guys are smart. These are college students. But preachers, they don't go out and publicly tell the story of Jesus. They don't go out and publicly herald the gospel. They wait inside for people to come. It's everything attractional. Come, come, come. Rather than go, go, go. We need to change our verbs. How many of the storms have been caused because of the silence of the messengers? The world goes to hell because of the silence of the church. Say anything rather than nothing. So many of us go, I don't know how to share the gospel. I don't know where to start. Anything is better than nothing. Any word is better than no words. He'll help you. He'll help you. Say something. Notice, Jonah didn't come out and, and, and basically, he wasn't honest up front. Like, people are like, people are starting to like throw things overboard. And they're like looking at people and being like, well, you're pretty big. I'm about to throw you overboard. Because the boat's starting to capsize. And they're like, who's responsible for this? And thank God, Jonah was honest. He's like, oh, me. Yeah, God of Israel, God of the wind and the sea, the earth. I did this. Don't throw yourself overboard. It's my fault. Throw me overboard. And if you run from God, you'll always have a whale of a problem. If you run from God, you're always going to be at the bottom of the ocean with seaweed wrapped around your head saying, oh, at the very end, have mercy on me. That's the story of many of you. You ran from God. You knew better. Majority of people in America, they know better than how they live. Don't be at the bottom of the ocean. In the depths of Sheol, the depths of hell. Don't be there. Don't let that be your moment where you cry out for mercy from God. Learn from the wisdom of Jonah. But God was merciful to Jonah. And even when you try to run from your calling, do you know where that fish spit out? He spit out Jonah right there. And so Jonah begins to walk to Nineveh. Now notice, what's Jonah's message? God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. No! Not on your life. There's no Hallmark cards on the book of Jonah. Grandma does not have any kind of like quilts knitted with Jonah verses. 
You know what Jonah's message was? 40 days and you're all going to die. Well, you know, every head bowed and every eye closed. That was Jonah's message. Repentance. He didn't tell Nineveh what they wanted to hear. He told them what they needed to hear. You see, I wonder if, if the troubles in these nations is because people are hearing the wrong messages. In every, mess, in every church in America, you'll hear sermons on grace. You very rarely will hear a sermon on truth. You'll, almost every opportunity you're offered heaven. One sermon out of 500 will be on hell. Is it possible? Is it possible that we're telling one side of the story? You see, Jonah was a reluctant missionary. He didn't want to. He didn't want to go. And then when he went, he's kind of reluctant. Going to go tell the enemies of God that God is gracious. <sighs> Repent! You're all going to die. That was Jonah. And then you know what happens? Nineveh repents. They repent so much that even the animals repent. It says that the cows put sackcloth and ash. Like they cover even the animals. It's like this, this cow's like, oh, I've been bad. <laughs> the sheep's like, I've been bad. Like, like it, the animals are, are, are sorry. It's in the passages that they, they cover them in ash. And you know what Jonah's attitude is? It's not like, praise God, you know. He doesn't fill out his missionary letters with all of the great accolades of what's happening. He's like, no, not the enemies of God. Jonah was a reluctant missionary. You want to see the patience of God? Nineveh repents, and God turns from the anger that he had pronounced upon the city. God changed his mind about the destruction in Nineveh. A generation rises, and a generation goes. And Nineveh's right back in its trouble because of selfishness and sin. Just like every problem in your life is based out of your selfishness and your sin. It's not your upbringing, it's not your parents' fault, it's not your boyfriend or your girlfriend. It's because of sin and selfishness. All of your problems arise from that. You're either sinning or being sinned against. And so this cycle continues because there's no forgiveness. There's no gospel. Just lostness of man. One generation rises and another generation comes. And they're just as lost. But behold the patience of God. God sent not just Jonah. He sent Nahum. It's a small little prophet in the Bible no one ever talks about. But God sent another messenger, the prophet of Nahum, to the people of Nineveh. It's kind of like God loves his enemies. It's kind of like God loves the people that the religious people say that are on the outside. Those people, whoever you codify as those people, that group of people. God loves them and is gracious towards them and desires that no one 
be destroyed, but that everyone come to repentance. That means to change their mind, change their actions. God works through reluctant missionaries because God is a missionary God. Tonight we're going to be looking at the missionary God. Why are we having a missions week? What is the purpose? It's because missions is a reflection of who God is. And as a theologian once said, missions exist because worship doesn't. And we go that every tribe, tongue, and people would know Jesus and bring glory to Him. Now don't make the mistake of thinking that the humanistic endeavor of making people know the gospel and come into the saving knowledge is the purpose. The purpose is for the glory of Christ. As in Revelation it says that He would receive glory from every tribe, tongue, and nation, and people. That Jesus would be glorified. That's the great purpose of missions. But God is a missionary God. But missions isn't a program. And respectfully, Duncan, missions can't be just a week. Missions is core to the gospel. It's not a program. It's our fight against hell. That's what missions is. It's the great battle for souls. Whether it's in Botswana or whether it's right here in Greeley, whether it's in Arabia or whether it's in Texas, whether it's in uh, all of these places that have not heard the gospel, missions is our fight against hell. I'm going to be reading out of a book tonight multiple times. The book is called Missionary God and Missionary Bible. I'm going to give this book away tonight. But you've got to pay attention. It's a limited edition. This is, this is hard to get. But it's available. I'm edit, we're, we're editing this book right now. And so I'm, I'm going to give it away. But I'm going to look here at page 131. And I'm going to read a quote for you. This is by a great Anglican, John Stott. Do we claim to believe in God? He's a missionary God. You tell me you're committed to Christ. He's a missionary Christ. Are you filled with the Holy Spirit? He's a missionary spirit. Do you belong to the church? It's a missionary society. And do you go to do you hope to go to heaven when you die? It's a heaven into which the fruits of world missions has been and will be gathered. God is a missionary God. We don't have time to go through all of the passages that describe. But very briefly, I'm just going to read them for you so you can jot them in your notes. Because I know that I have to move quickly because the millennials... You got to keep their attention because y'all's TikTok videos are less than two minutes long. So I have to, it's like getting a squirrel to focus. 
and so I can't just read 10 Bible verses. I would love to, but I have to just give them to you with the hope that you might look at them later. So quickly, you ready? Ezekiel 39, 21, that, that, that God would receive glory from all nations. Acts 2, 17, that all nations, that all people would receive the Spirit, that the Spirit would come upon all flesh, says the Lord. Mark chapter 13, verse 10, and description that my house shall be a house of prayer to all nations. Matthew 28, verse 19, go and make disciples of all ethne, every ethno-linguistic group, all nations. That is the Great Commission we learned about last night. Who, who was here last night? And then, who? okay, keep your hand up. Who was here to watch that movie with the spears? That was a terrifying movie. All you people, were the, all these people were here? My goodness. All right. Just watch them. I'm deciding who I'm going to give the book to. Mark chapter 16, verse 15, that we are to preach the gospel to all creation. The great missionary Psalm 117, that the nations would give glory to the Lord. It's one of the smallest psalms in all the Bible. But it's like, in, I, think it, I think God chose that one because he's like, all right, they're going to memorize the small ones. I literally think he was like that. They're going to memorize the small ones. So I'm going to put some important stuff in the small ones. But the Psalms, in its essence, is a missionary hymnal. God is a missionary God. Now the story of the people of God started with Abraham. You might have heard of him. He had many sons. And you are one of him. How many of you were raised in the church? Wow. Oh, that's a lot. Okay, hold on. Church kids, they need a lot of heat, so church kids need heat, they don't, yeah. How spicy do you want it? Now you say that, you say the spice, you say that you want the ghost, but you don't want Holy Ghost spice, because what happens, and you're out here in the snot fest, and there's no Kleenexes, and there's none of that, and you're going to be like, I don't want to go to India, and you said I had to go to India, yeah, that's what's going to happen. So I'm just going to go Taco Bell medium. Okay. <laughs> Abraham. Father Abraham. God is a missionary God. His story is a missionary story. God told Abraham, how do you like this? Go to the land, I will show you. Oof. Like all of you are like, I want to sign up for this trip. What if your trip was... I'll tell you later. Can you, can you imagine itinerating for the I tell you later trip? Where are you going? I don't know. No clue. But I'm going. Some of you need to understand that there's wisdom in that. Some of you think that the destination is everything. It's not the destination. It's who's going. It's who you are, not where you are. How foolish would it have been if Paul the Apostle would have been handing out missionary cards to Philippi? I'm a missionary to Philippi. No, you're not. 
You're a missionary to Jesus Christ. And that's the difference. Your allegiance is to Him. It's to Him. You follow Him. Missions is following Christ. It's that simple. But Abraham was called to go to a land that I will show you. And notice that when Abraham was obedient to the call, God gave the promise. In you, all nations of the earth will be blessed. That right now, as if you're a Christian, you have received the blessing of Abraham through faith. As Paul said. That he was the father of the faithful. That we received the Spirit by faith. And just as Abraham believed this promise and God saw him and thought of him as in right standing, as in righteous, in the same way, your obedience, your yes to God, will change not only your history, but the trajectory of your life and your family. I'm going back to my time where I said yes to God. I had no idea what was in store for me. I just said yes. And God has blessed me to see sons and daughters in churches and ministries for His glory. And I do not regret going. I do not regret saying yes the call of God. Abraham's yes led to him being the father of the people of faith. Joshua said yes to God. You notice how Joshua describes the Lord? He calls him the Lord of the nations. Which is interesting because Joshua is always pegged as the uh, the military campaign guy. Like, he's like the Maximus of the Old Testament. Like, he's always like fighting people and pushing back the Philistines. I always like wonder, I'm like, Philistines, like, there's that they got a bad rap. Like, the people of God are always like, those Philistines, like, there's like some issues there. We need to talk about forgiveness. But but Joshua is pushing back the Philistines. And he's, and he's always pegged as the, the leader and commander of the people of Israel. But he describes God as the Lord of the nations. You see this, God is a missionary God. And his people are missionary people. David comes on the scene. A man after God's own heart. And how do we know that David had the missionary heart? Well, David, you know, he gets into battle and he, he, he starts going in the way of Joshua and pushing back in the campaigns and fighting for the things of God and going after the enemies of God. But then God's okay. And David goes, I want to build you a house, God. And God's like, no, a house can't be built with blood. So he's not allowed to build the house. But David's heart was this, that he would build God a house of prayer. Do you remember? For all nations. When we start our gospel narrative part, we're going to look at Mark chapter 11. Go ahead and turn with me to Mark chapter 11. Open up. If you don't have your Bible, always bring your Bible. Be privileged 
to have a Bible while you still have a Bible. We're going to have it for you on the screen. And many of you have it on your iPhones. But Mark chapter 11. If you don't know where Mark is, it's in the New Testament. It's the second book of the New Testament. And picking up in this story, this is in the middle of Jesus' ministry, but it's right about the time where things get really spicy. In fact, update. This is like the episode in the Netflix series, like right before the cliffhanger. Okay? This is where like all the drama happens, is in this moment. And in fact, Jesus, if I can say this respectfully, Jesus is mad here. He's mad. Jesus is ticked off. He comes on the scene. And this is the thing. People always paint Jesus. Blue sash. Hair flowing in the wind. Like, I love everyone. My yoke is easy. Jesus comes on the scene in this. He comes into Jerusalem. And he starts flipping tables and screaming and moving the coins out. And there's money changers. And he's, he makes a whip. Like, it's like Jesus, Indiana Jones now. What happened? I don't know. Like, the disciples are like, you having a bad day, sir? You know, it is like a, a different side of Jesus. Have you ever seen this story? You're like, this isn't in the Gospels. I've never. No, Jesus is mad. He's furious. Zeal for my father's house has consumed me. My father's house will be a house of prayer. But you've made it a den of thieves and robbers. And he, this is, he starts yelling and screaming. And he's furious. And he's rebuking the religious leaders. But where is he standing? Anybody know? He's standing in a place called the court of the Gentiles. You see, what had happened is the religious people, the religious leaders of Jerusalem, rather than teaching the Gentiles, the outsiders, the law and principles of God, they took advantage of them. They, they, they took the place that was sacred, which was to be a place of instruction for all nations, that my house shall be a house of prayer for all nations, that the Jewish people were to be a light amongst the Gentiles. That was their mandate. They were supposed to teach the nations, now they're taxing them. And the heart of Jehovah burned, and the fire of the Lord kindled. God doesn't like when people take advantage of each other. God doesn't like religious things for religious gain. He likes pure motive and pure heart. My house shall be a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. nervous about the American church. I'm nervous about the American church, but because usually when I talk to pastors, and I talk to them a lot, they're about two things. Nickels and noses. Bucks and butts. How many people are coming? 
and how much was in the offering. My house shall be a house of prayer for all nations. Is it possible that it's the same story, different time? Is it possible that we have neglected the mandate to be the light of the nations? That we are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. No one takes a lamp and puts it under a lampstand. But the messengers are silent. Wake up, Jonah. Get out of the boat. Wake up, Jonah. Get out of the boat. Go to the land that he will show you. But if you want to go to the land, you got to kill the giants. The missionary story continues. You go from Joshua, you get Caleb. I like Caleb. When Caleb was an old man, he's like, give me the mountain. And they're like, the one with the giants in it? He's like, yep, that one. Caleb's a boss in the Old Testament. He gets no cred. He is an amazing man of God. He said he wanted the mountain in his old age, the mountain that had the inhabitants of the giants. But if you want the land, there's a cost to missions. You have to fight and kill the giants. What do these giants look like? Well, number one is the giant of cowardice. You're going to be taking the land. You have to kill the giant of cowardice. Cowardice is crippling the church of Jesus Christ. Where are the men and women of God who are so filled with the Spirit of God that they are courageous? That they have a holy zeal for the things of God. That everyone knows that they love Jesus. All of their roommates know. Their dorm mates know. And it's not some... The, private faith is of no public good. Where are the people that have the courage of the Holy Spirit? I pray a baptism of courage over you. You have to kill the giant of cowardice. It says in the book of Revelation that the cowardly shall not come into the city. God, give us courage. One more time, God, would you just give courage? That they would learn of the Son. That's what I love about Jesus, is he's courageous. He was never a coward. When all of his disciples are terrified and they're all you know, crying in the garden when the thieves and the robbers come. He says, come, let us be going. What was his expectation? Come, let us be going. I think it's the greatest heartache in the, in the New Testament. When Jesus is in the garden of Gethsemane and he says, let us be going. And he turns around and he's alone. But as the scriptures prophesied, I will walk the winepress of the fierceness of the wrath of Almighty God alone. I'll walk it alone. And if you are going to kill the giant of cowardice, you must walk alone. You know, many people will follow Christ in community. Many people will follow Christ in fellowship when they have small groups and one-on-ones and all of these things as wonderful support systems. But who will follow Christ into obscurity who will follow Christ in their rejection? Who will follow Christ alone? 
If you want to take the land, you have to kill the giant of cowardice. If you want to take the land, you have to kill the giant of carelessness. Carelessness. Christians can never be trivial people. Because we believe in eternal things. Eternity is in the hearts of men. That means we can never be careless. Continue watching on Netflix? No! No, you can never be careless with your time. You, you, you don't realize this now. Because like right now, you're like, I don't have any money. Like your priority in life right now is like, I just want to live in a financial situation where I can get guacamole on my Chipotle without thinking about it. And so you don't have finances, but you have freedom. You have time. So God has given you a gift, an abundance. Later on, you'll have finances. But you'll have three kids and a minivan and french fries in the back seat. And you'll turn around and go, it's been a decade. Carelessness creeps in. How do we get rid of the giant of carelessness? God, give me your burden. God, give me your burden. It's through intimacy with Him that His heart becomes our heart, that you begin to see people with His eyes. You begin to see people, and as the Scriptures say, you can look on the multitudes and you can have compassion on them, for they are like sheep without a shepherd. If you want to take the land, you must kill the giant of carelessness. Most importantly for us Americans, if you want to take the land, you have to kill the giant of comfort. Comfort. I remember when I, that giant inside of me was, was literally being crucified. I was in a, a hut in Costa Rica, one of my first mission trips. And I, and I am in the birth, basically the birthplace of the mosquito. It was in a river delta, seven hours from nowhere. Nowhere's nowhere's nowhere. If you speak Spanish in La Jungla, like in the middle of nowhere. And I'm there, and I'm, I'm literally being rained on. And I'm like, there's no air conditioning. There's no power. My mosquito bites have mosquito bites. It is bad. And I am like cranky and whiny pants. And then I got like, I've got gold bond in every crevice of my body because everything is raw and it is horrible. And I have had black beans and rice for more days than I can remember. And I'm like, I don't speak your language very well. And I'm getting to this point. Will you follow me into discomfort? Will you follow me into discomfort? And then my friend's like, I, I, didn't, bring, I didn't bring a tent. I didn't bring a tent. Can I stay in your tent? And I'm like, I have a single tent. So I'm there, I'm like, now I'm sleeping next to a full-grown man, and he's snoring. And I'm like, Jesus, I love you. Oh, how I love you. I'm like crying in the tent. If you're going to take the land, you have to be willing to live in discomfort.
have to be willing to give up time. Get up earlier. Pray for the lost. You have to be willing to let your reputation be dragged in the mud. Many of you don't evangelize because you're crippled by the snare, which is the fear of man. You don't want to say things about Jesus because you say, what will people think? The scriptures say of Christ, he made himself of no reputation. They ask William Booth, the great missionary who went into a hundred countries in less than ten years with the great army. Before they took your mattress, the Salvation Army, their motto was the blood of Jesus and the fire of God. They were an incredible holiness campaign that swept over the English-speaking world. And they ask William Booth, what was the key to your success? He very simply said, that's easy. We have no reputation to lose. The greatest hindrance to your personal evangelism will be the crucifixion of your reputation. If you're going to take the land, you must kill the giant of comfort. If you're going to take the land, you must kill the giant of competition. What that means. Do you know how competitive we are in Amer as Americans? It's insane. Like I've been, I have some kids and they're young. And they're like learning the sports. And then you go to these games and you see dads and they're just like, kill them! And like veins are coming out on their head. And then you see like grandma and she's like, yes, take from them everything! And you're just like, I, who, who's gonna who's gonna pass out the orange slices? Like, like we have competition in our culture. It's crept into our church. Churches are combative and territorial. No, oh, you can't be. You can't plant next to my church. What is that? Oh, you you can't be over here. That's so wrong. All of that goes out the window when they start pointing AK-47s at you. It's just this. We're, we're Christians, right? You love Jesus, I love Jesus. Okay, we're good. Come here, come here, come here. Been there. All your little denominational tags, all of your little descriptions of your flavors of soda, right? It's like, it's either soda or poison. Your choice. But that's what it's like on the field. All of that stuff which is so competitive here goes out the window. We must kill the giant of competition. What if you could be a blessing to other ministries? What if you... So many... See, you know what the American theologians right now are known for? We're known for being critical of our own ministers. Such and such. In fact, if you look at the internet religious traffic, the majority of it is criticizing one another ministry. From another ministry. Christ says we will be known by our love for one another. But don't allow competition and criticism, which is solely based out of jealousy, and vanity and pride 
If you're going to take the land, you have to kill the giant of competition. Most importantly for us tonight, which is the greatest hindrance to the mission of God, is the giant of compromise. Seventy to eighty percent of all internet traffic is pornographic. Fifty to sixty percent of men in the church and forty percent of women in the church are struggling with internet addictions to pornography. Understand that how the Antichrist controls the world is through the principle of fornication. The word for pornos is where we get the word fornication. If you keep deleting your search history, God's going to delete your name out of the Lamb's Book of Life. You'll never take the land. You'll never take the land unless you kill the giant of compromise. Jesus. There's hope and freedom in the gospel. He is the stone that goes into the giant's head. He is the stone of stumbling, the rock of offense. Christ. He and He alone is what gives us courage for our carelessness and our cowardice. For our carelessness, He gives us convictions that we live by. For our comfort, He gives us a calling to trust when it's difficult and dark. For our competition, He acts as our encouragement to our brothers. And for our compromise, He calls us to follow Him in holiness and in love. It's very simple. Christianity is not hard. If you love Him, you keep His commandments. His commandments are not a burden. They're not burdensome. It's not a weight. Jesus says, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. Simply, the mission of the church is missions. If I could have the worship team come back. Do not make the mistake of walking in spiritual pride thinking that you're going to bring things to the nations. You are not the Savior of the nations. You represent Him. I've seen so many people, they come into these cultures with an attitude of spiritual pride. And I'm reminded of the great Saint Mother Teresa when she said, Calcutta does not need you. You need Calcutta. Let the land, let the field be your teacher. Let it conform you into the image and likeness of Christ. 
I can give you incredible experiences that I had. I remember when the moment I received the fear of the Lord for the supernatural realm. I was in uh, outside of the red light district in Amsterdam, Holland. And I am dead asleep. And I'm laying in a hostel bed. And one of the toughest men I know, his face is white. And he's got terror in his eyes. Kyle, wake up. Pray. And I look over and I'm like, I'm like, what's wrong? What's wrong? He's like, there's a guy over there. I think he's filling a demon. I'm like, I'm like half awake. I'm like, what's going on? And I'm like, uh, and this was back in the day when I had like a really long dreadlocks. So I'm like getting the dreadlocks out of my head. And I'm just like, what is happening? Jesus, I'm asleep. Oh, okay. Huh? What? And I look over, this is guy. And his body's all contorted. And he's up against the wall. And he's growling. And I'm like, whoa, I'm awake. This is awake. I'm awake moment. And then I'm like, in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, what are you doing? And the guy's neck goes, practicing. And I'm like, I never read about this. I'm not ready for this. But I was smart enough to go, Jesus, you said in your word, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I don't feel it right now. I'm not going to trust my feelings. I have faith that you're in me. I know you saved me. I was lost. I'm your, I'm your son. Okay, we're going to go. We're going to go. And we just began to pray. It was the most monumental, life-changing experience to have an American Christian experience deliverance. To see it with my own eyes. It changed me. I was never the same. You think I could just sit in church? Yep. Sit in church after that? You see, that mission field, that changed me. It gave me an understanding of the supernatural. I remember also being in Holland, and I saw a woman. She was in her, she was in her late 30s, and I remember her singing her heart out. No one was there. She was all alone. She was cleaning up the hostel literally the day afterwards with all of that spiritual battle around her and all of the darkness around her. She was literally in an environment where 13-year-old women all around her and all of the windows were being sold as sex slaves on a daily basis. She's in a living hell and she has a mop and she's singing her heart out to Jesus. And I saw joy on her face and I go, I want what that woman has. And it was the mission field that changed me. I can tell you the times of brokenness I can tell you the times of walking in, in the deserts of Saudi Arabia and seeing countless villages and seeing the sun come up and seeing the sun going down and hearing the call to prayer and seeing thousands of people that will never hear the gospel of Jesus Christ and I can tell you what that feels like and then it never leaves and it never goes away and that was brokenness, which was a gift. The mission field will change you. The mission field doesn't need you. You need the mission field. I can tell you of the nights in the Jordanian wilderness where we didn't know if we were safe. When we didn't know if trouble was coming. And we would be sleeping out in the desert at night and we would hear things and we, we, we knew that people were around and we're just like, okay. I put my hand in your hand. And I, it was there I learned to trust. 
yours. I'm yours. You need the field. The field does not need you. I want you to also understand that yes, there's a severity to the mission of God, but there is a great joy. The joy of the field. It says that those who weep and sow their seed will rejoice carrying the harvest with them. That is the great missionary song. There is joy when the lost coin is found. There is rejoicing when the lost sheep is found. When the sun returns, there is no joy like the joy of the field. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Would you stand with me? Sixty-five of this book in closing. William Carey, who was one of the first English-speaking missionaries, he says this, Is not the commission of our Lord still binding upon us? Can we not do more than we are doing now? This question, very simply, is the question of tonight. Can we not just do more than we're doing now? Every one of us, that's the challenge, that's the charge. Can you do more? We have a saying, every student goes, every student prays, and every student gives. Every one of us can do more. If you're already praying, we challenge you to give. If you're already giving, we challenge you to go. But everyone's going to do more. Everyone's going to do more. For those of you who aren't praying as of yet, well, the harvest is plentiful and the laborers are few. That's based off 10.02, Luke 10.02. And we challenge you to put an alarm on your phone. And every 10 o'clock at 10.02 in the afternoon, you'll literally be joining thousands of people praying for the unreached people. That's something you can do. And that will develop in you a heart of prayer for the nations. And when you develop that heart of prayer, it isn't very long until you start to go. And I challenge you all to go. You're never going to have more freedom than you do now. Go. Just go. Rather than going to, because the mission field needs you, you need the field. And also give. Americans spent more putting Halloween costumes on their dogs this last month than all of the giving towards unreached people groups for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ for the entire year. One day versus an entire year. One one-hundredth of every dollar goes to unreached people groups. There's a vast 
disproportionate amount of money. My house shall be a house of prayer to all nations. But they have made it a den of thieves. All around the room, could you just, in a sign of surrender, can you just say, Jesus, Jesus, I want to do more than I'm doing now. All of us can do more. We can do more for the sake of the unreached. But most importantly, we can do more for the glory of Christ that He would receive glory from every tribe, tongue, and nation. That God, right now in this moment, that the King of Kings would call people into Your service. And that they would go to bring the Gospel to unevangelized lands. That they would be light in dark places. That You're calling some to go. And Lord, you're also calling some to sin. That you would supernaturally release wisdom for people to create sending movements. That if people are going to get degrees and, and, and they're going to be financially successful, it would be for the purpose of sending God. Wake up, Jonah. Get out of the boat. take this moment and we're going to ask the Lord and very specifically Lord how can I do more how can I do more how can I give how can I go how can I pray Hey, we are going on some mission trips. Yeah, come on. Yeah, so uh, the first trip, can I get a drum, drum roll? Yeah, come on. The first trip is Denver. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to invite um, Matthew Culver. He's a church planter, awesome man of God, and uh, he's going to share about his church and uh, what you know, you'll be doing there. So, Matthew Culver. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I, I think uh, we might have got to Taco Bell hot. I'm just saying, I'm just, that was a little more than medium. I'm sweating in my seat. I want to say yes to Jesus all over again. But, yeah, thanks. Thanks for that. And I just want to say that I love Chi Alpha. And uh, we've, we've been uh, blessed by Chi Alpha for a number of years. We've had teams come to Denver for the about the last five years, and every time it is beneficial for the cause of the gospel in Denver, that very far away land uh, from here. Uh, I, I will say the other thing I love about Chi Alpha is your passion for Jesus and just being here with you tonight. I brought my, my son. He's in eighth grade because there he is right there, young man, because I want him to be an experience uh, people like you and to be be around you and to see what's what's happening so thank you for loving Jesus passionately and if you're new to Jesus and this whole Jesus thing I just want to encourage you to, to stick with it it is worth it and and sometimes even I can tell you that even leading a church sometimes we have sometimes I doubt about the, the whole Jesus thing but I have found it to be the most true story that I can place my life in and if you move Jesus and everything else in life just kind of falls apart. 
It's just, uh, I mean, joy, love, justice, which is a good thing. Like, it's meaningless without Jesus. Anyway, uh, I, I've got, what I got, two minutes left to persuade you to come to Denver. And I'll just tell you briefly, if, if you come, we will love our neighborhood. We will serve the cities. We will be a blessing to businesses. We will pave ways for the Gospels. We had um, two, three Sundays ago, we had water baptisms, and we baptized a, a man and his high school daughter and his, uh, his sister-in-law, and it all started with Kyle coming and serving in our, in our, our neighborhood a couple years ago. Like, it wasn't even, like, in the groups that came, you know, three years ago, they'll never know until they stand before Jesus the impact that they've made for all eternity in, in these people's lives. Um, so I could tell you some more stories about that. I could also persuade you with just some swag. You know what? I got some swag giveaway. And so what I'd like to do, for the, for the sake of time, I've got, I brought some of our church t-shirts, and uh, my son is, he's like, Dad, t-shirts really and then he's like hey, as college students they need they need clothes and I was like all right man that's you in a couple of years uh, so I've got some I've got some some t-shirts and basically they just uh, it's kind of our, our our standard shirt it just says I love our neighborhood in Denver is Park Hill we're about two miles from downtown very diverse urban neighborhood and so it's Park Hill I love pH or if you're a science major I think it's acid I don't know uh, <laughs> following Jesus loving our neighbors but it could be a conversation piece. So I've got some different sizes of those. I have, uh, I've got some mugs uh, for the Hills Church. I have, a, uh, I have a, a, a random bag of candy. I was like, hey, gosh, I like some candy. Um, so what I'd like to do, and then, then I'm done in my seat, but I would love for you to come to Denver. Um, we will, besides doing the things that I, I mentioned, we will go downtown. We'll do some street evangelism, get you out of your comfort zone a little bit. Uh, we'll spend time together just talking about life after school, discipleship, and, and what happens after Chi Alpha as well. So just a couple uh, of trivia questions, and then I'm in my seat. And so, so don't, just for the sake of time, I'll call on a few people, some winners, and then at, when we're finished, you can come, come see me, just so we'll save some time there. Uh, all right. Who, is there anybody here who is in college and you're 17 years old? You're 17. Any 17-year-olds in here? They don't want to admit it? If you don't want me, that's fine. I'm trying to find the youngest student. That's what I'm trying to do. Uh, 18? You're 18. Raise your hand. 18. 18. Okay. 18. Okay. So what, uh, what, what, uh, when's your birthday? Oh, no, my goodness. So, all right. So you're, you're down. All right. Who else? Oh, 18. When's your birthday? June, June 5th. Okay. Anybody, any young, anybody 18 and he's younger than June 5th? Okay. Anybody younger than July? No, that's older. All right. <laughs> that's all right. You're good. Okay. All right. Winner. It's after. Come save me. Here we go. Winner. Uh, a couple more. Uh, raise your hand. Raise your hand. Tell me what year did Colorado become a state? 1876? Centennial State? Come on. Now, come see me later. Come see me later. Well, all right, right now, you're here. That's fine. I don't care. Whatever. Get here. All right. Uh, two, two more. Two more. Uh, what is the highest peak in Colorado? Raise your hand. Highest peak in Colorado? No. That's right. Mount Evans? No. Yes. Winner. There we go. Mount Elbert. It's the highest peak by 10 feet. Uh, last one. Last one. Uh, true or false, there are twice as many women than men at UNC. 
That's true. Uh, that's no, all right, no, let's not count that one. Um, all right, who can tell me what was the original name of UNC? Right there, hand, hand. No. No. That's changed names like three times. What is that? I'll take that one. It was the uh, State Normal School of Colorado. All right, afterwards, come see me. Yeah, come on, Matthew Culver, give it up. All I got to say, that guy has some cool hair. Am I right? Yeah, come on. He's got some cool hair. Hey, so I'm going to be leading that trip. If you are interested in going to Denver, yeah, come on. If you're interested in going to Denver, talk to me. All right? Cool. All right. The next trip. Drum roll. Yeah, come on. Oh, that's someone else. Can you pause it just real quick so I can say where it's from? Oh, sorry. Yeah, it's New Mexico. Yeah, all right, go ahead. Hello, UNC Chi Alpha. My name is Jimena, and I'm on staff at New Mexico State University Chi Alpha. We are so excited for you guys to come and serve us during your spring break. We're really grateful that you would come and help us advance the kingdom here. I want to tell you a little bit about our campus and our Chi Alpha. So first of all, um, our Chi Alpha started about eight years ago in 2013 by a staff from Sam Houston State University in Huntsville, Texas. And they decided to come here because they looked at the whole map of the United States and realized that there was not a single Chi Alpha in the whole state of New Mexico. So they came and started the first Chi Alpha in New Mexico. Um, and it's been amazing, an amazing eight years. There's now a second campus in our state that has a Chi Alpha, so praise God. Um, our staff currently is all New Mexicans, all uh, alumni from NMSU. It's amazing. Um, there are 14 of us, with three of those being interns. Our Chi Alpha, on average, sees about 100 students on a Thursday night. Praise God. Um, yes, and we have about... 30, 35 small group leaders, something like that. And I want to tell you a little bit about our campus. So our campus has about more than 20,000 students on our campus. There are um, a lot of different variety of majors. So we have agriculture and we have a, a teaching program, a nursing program, um, a lot of actually the same um majors that you see on your campus and a lot of like the culture from your campus is the same here like it's a small town and people come to this university because this is where they grew up or they came from not very far away just a few hours um yeah it's a small smallish town um but it's very fun we find ways to have fun here <laughs> um yes and the students on our campus something that you can see a lot is um, a lot of students that claim to know God or claim to be Christian, mostly Catholic, is what we see a lot here. Um, they don't actually know God. And so we have to be just really intentional, ask people questions. A lot of students who grew up in church and then they come to college and don't want anything to do with it anymore. Um, we have students who say that they're spiritual but not religious. We're starting to see a lot of that now. Um and just, it's a really hard ground. There's not a, yeah, it's it's kind of difficult to get students to, um, to want this. But what we do is we just be friends with them first. 
um, and then they'll open up more to the gospel. It's amazing. Um, a little bit of what you'll be doing on our campus is that you will be doing a lot of campus evangelism. Every day you'll go out to our campus and you'll try to meet students and connect them with our student leaders. Um, you will pray a lot for our campus. You will get to know our students a lot. You'll get to hang out with them, go to small group, go to resource maybe. Um, yeah, you'll just you'll get to hang out with our people and meet a lot more of people for us to get to know more. Um, you will probably also be doing a service project. We have a Chi Alpha house and it's a very old house, so we're always trying to renovate. So you'll probably be doing some of that. Um, and most of all, you'll just be sowing seeds on our campus and plowing the ground. It's a really hard ground. And so you'll be doing a lot of the work um, so that we can see the fruit of that later on. There have been many times when that happens and um, it's wonderful to see. And I hope that you guys come with an open heart for God to just um, teach you something new when you're here. We're very excited for you guys to be here and we'll see you in March. Yeah, come on. Sadie will be leading that trip, so she's going to tell you a little more. Yeah. Um, she basically said everything, but some really cool stuff that I would like to share is my knees are still shaking from the service, so um, and we're going to try and make them stop. Um, but uh, one thing for me is that I took a trip to UNC, actually, a mission trip from Sam Houston, and that's where I got like a burden for just campus ministry. And so it's honestly really cool to go somewhere else and serve and sow seeds and then come back and do the exact same thing, but on a different level because you're just like, I'm here for the rest of, you know, four years, three years, two years, whatever. And so it's a really great, awesome opportunity to come and just like seek the Lord and just kind of serve just another campus ministry. These are our fellow brothers and sisters and we get to be with them and fight alongside them. So who wants to join me? Come talk to me afterwards. <laughs> Alrighty, all right. So the last Miss trip we are going on, um, pretty exciting, yeah, yeah. Drum roll, drum roll, drum roll. It's uh, Costa Rica. Hello UNC Chi Alpha, my name is Adam Quinn. My wife Sarah and I are alumni from the University of Oklahoma Chi Alpha, and we're missionaries here in San Jose, Costa Rica. We want to invite you to come down and spend a couple of weeks with us this summer. In Costa Rica, we work with two primary ministries. We work with Renner Citadia, which is a ministry of university students on the college campus. It's basically Chi Alpha in Latin America. And we're planting a church in the San Pedro area right in front of the University of Costa Rica called Somos Comunidad. So while you're here, you're going to help us out in both those areas. We're going to be going on several college campuses. We're going to be encouraging the leaders that are there. We're going to be doing relational promotion and relational evangelism. We're going to help out in life groups. We might even do a bigger event on a campus one of the days you're here. And we're going to be doing stuff in the community around our ministry center where we're planting the church. We're going to be connecting with people in the streets. We're going to be doing prayer walks. We're going to be in the parks. We're going to be in the farmer's market. We'll do stuff like question of the day. We might even rent an inflatable and do something fun in the community park. We're going to have a lot of fun. So come, I can promise you three things. One, you're going to have a great time. Two, you're going to make a lot of new friends. And three, you're going to see God do something pretty awesome. 
Get signed up. I can't wait to see you this summer. Samantha Schmidt will be leading this trip. Hey guys. Um, well, first I want to start off, who all went to the Costa Rica trip last year? There's still a lot of people in here. But, so we have good news, we're going back to Costa Rica. It's gonna be a ton of fun. I know last year um, was a lot of just labor intensive work. It was really, really awesome um, to be able to see that in you know, a church plant. Um, but hopefully this year we'll be doing that as well. Um, Adam texted me this morning saying that they're going to have in-person classes if everything goes well. Yeah. Cross our fingers. So we'll be able to actually go out on campus and do evangelism work and things like that. So it'll be really, really awesome. Um, I'm really, really honored to be able to leave this trip, leave, <laughs> lead this trip this year. Um, and last year, I thought one week wasn't enough, so I want us to go on two weeks this year. So, yeah, like Peter said, if um, you are interested in the Costa Rica, come talk to us, come talk to me. Um, and one thing I want to say is please, please, please don't let finances be the reason you don't go on this trip. God wants you to go on missions, and he will provide for you to go on missions no matter what. I know last year when I fundraised, it was my first year fundraising for a trip, and I was absolutely terrified, and he showed me a number of ways. I fundraised a lot more than I was, you know, expected to, and that's not on me. That's on God. Um, so, yes, don't make finances the reason. Please go on these trips. Yeah. Come on. That's good. All right. So, how do you apply? Might be your next question. Um, I want all of you to get your phones out. Pull out your phones. We're going to do a little, you know, follow along. Go to XAUNC.com. XAUNC.com. Pretty, pretty easy. Pretty straightforward. Who's there? Who's there? Give me a shout if you're there. Okay. All right. In the top right corner, 
there's a little hamburger menu. It, that's what it's called. I don't know if you knew that. I didn't know that for a while. The hamburger menu, you press that button, and then there's, it, you know, little little uh, menu comes out. You go to missions, and right there is everything you need. You, uh, if you scroll down, um, there's an application, an online application. I think we might have some print copies too. Maybe not. You can download them, print them. <laughs> if you if you don't like, you know, using computers, which would be weird, but that's fine. Um, yeah, so you can fill it out online. Everything's there. That's the first step. Second step is you have to download and print the small group leader reference form and give it to your small group leader. They're, they're, they're going to fill this out. You know, basically, um, an application is, is just that. It's an application. It's not a guarantee that you'll go. Um, we want to make sure that uh, you love Jesus first, I guess. That's probably a requirement. Yeah. All right. And then the third one um, is there is a fundraising packet, fundraising training packet. Uh, we are having fundraising training. Yeah. We're going to teach you. We're going to teach you how to do this. You know, uh, Duncan and Lori, Ashley and I, and Samantha and Sadie and Caleb, we all do this for a living. It's like literally how we live is support raising. So this is something that is possible. It's, it's uh, you know, it's, it's hundreds of thousands of people have gone on mission trips fundraised, okay? I know it seems kind of scary. It's not always the most fun thing to do, but God has already provided those funds. So um, we're, there's a training. It is required. If you want to go on a mission trip, you have to be at this thing. It's Saturday, December 4th at uh, Greeley First Assembly of God, which is the church we've been at uh, the past couple nights. And 10 a.m. to 2 p.m., I think lunch is provided. There will be lunch. There will be food. Um, and the mission application is due at that uh, fundraising training. All right? So you have to finish it by then. That means your, your small group leaders... Uh, have to fill it out by then, too. All right. Is everyone with me? Yeah. yeah? All right. Uh, let's see. I think that's it, right? All right. Yeah, let's, uh, let's pray our, our night close, and, uh, and then we can, you know, go be crazy. Jesus, thank you. Uh, thank you, God, for meeting us here tonight. Thank you, Lord, that you have uh, included us in your mission in uh, the evangelization of this world, in the bringing of your kingdom to this earth. Thank you for including us, God. God, I, uh, I just pray for every student in here that you would be pricking their hearts with uh, where they're supposed to go short-term, God, and, and maybe long-term, Jesus. Would you just begin pricking hearts where and what they're supposed to do with their lives, Jesus? In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Oh, and don't forget, offering. For more information, please visit xaunc.com or check us out on Facebook at facebook.com slash xaunc. Our Instagram handle is at xaunc and you can find all of our content on YouTube by searching Chi Alpha UNC. Until next time, May the lamb who was slain receive the reward of his suffering.